Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Emily Bosco. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. And they make you feel real smart sometimes. before you listened to this particular podcast episode. Yeah, ideally Isn't we that don't, always the goal? Ideally we don't make you dumber. That's sometimes not not what we're shooting for. Uh so um that's right friends due to popular demand oh. she's back. Um welcome back to the show Emily Bosco. Thank you so much. Was there popular demand? Uh, people people enjoyed your appearance a few weeks huh. back. Uh, we got many a thank you. We got many a Aww. well done and congratulations on your podcasting debut. Thank um, you, friends. And, That's pretty sweet. Uh, and this week, because uh, Heather's footloose rehearsal schedule and whatnot down in Florida has has not allowed her and my schedule to line up in such a way that we can record, it only made sense to invite um, popular guest host Emily Bosco back onto the airwaves. (laughs) Oh, it sounds so fun. (laughs) I want to do Footloose. So, so yes, here we are. We are back. And I believe this now makes seven weeks in a row where I will be recording in a different location. Fun. Um, This week coming to you, not live, but anyway, direct (laughs) from Astoria in Queens. You're just going through your nomadic... Phase, yeah, right yeah, yeah, nomadic. That's it's good. That's a much better way to put it than homeless. <laughs> hey, we're in a home right now. We're so in a home I right would now. say we're not. You're yeah. not. Um, in fact, we are. We are in the home of uh, one of our uh, castmates from Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. uh, Kim. Who, when I mentioned that I didn't know where I was going to be staying once the contract ended, said, "Hey, my place has a spare bedroom. You want to come hang out?" It was um, very sweet. It was the show, very sweet. The show was ending, but then we all decided that we didn't want to go more than like three days without seeing each other again. <laughs> so we all said, off to New York. <laughs> it was a soft closing, if you will. Yeah, or at least a soft farewell. The show closed pretty hard, but... True, true. But... Uh, it was so good. Mm, it was delightful. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> Actually, mentioning Kim, I think this episode brought to you by Kim Wilpon Crafts. So I'm going to go see if she's in the next room and wants to... Tell a little bit about what she does. Yeah. Let her do the plug right. And she's here. So Hi. welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for having me in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for hosting us in your apartment. Oh, gladly. Um, yeah, I, I, figure, I figured as um, uh, as host uh, for at least this week of the show, yeah. and literal host in the, <laughs> the building, um, we should... We should uh, talk about Kimmel Pancraft. Yeah, have you on as our official sponsor this Woo-woo! week? So, talk to us about Kim Wilpon Crafts. So, Kim Wilpon Crafts is uh, an edutaining craft show on YouTube. Edutaining, I love that. That is a tag that we often use for this podcast. Education. Yeah, edutainment. Yeah. It's educational, but it's mostly for entertainment. I do a lot of comedy in my acting career and so i wanted to bring crafting to people in a way that was entertaining and comical and um dolan my fiance if anyone watches the channel they would know dolan and um he is not a crafter and he supplies a lot of comedy to the channel and uh and his uh, attempts to craft so it's all levels of crafting on that channel we also have um we also do a segment called Crafting with Friends. I try to do it once a month. It's been a minute since we've done one of those episodes, but I always have a friend on the channel and we do some crafting. So maybe we'll see Ken doing some crafting in a future episode. I would be delighted. Yes. You, just, you just let me know when. <laughs> and Emily. Oh, she's like, she's like, me, me, me. I want to do it too. Yeah, we can all do it. I love it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'll learn how to do we'll, something. We'll discuss it. We'll discuss we'll something, something that you're interested in and yeah. we'll just do it. That's what I usually do. Uh, is... um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do some felting. Or, uh, Ooh, I love felting. Uh, wood burning. Ooh, glass I love... blowing. Ooh, well, I don't think we can safely <laughs> glass blow here. In a New York City apartment, but... Um, oh, sorry. I didn't realize safety was a concern. Yeah, um, yeah. Just a little bit. But wood right. burning, I, I do have a wood burning pen. and We could easily get another one. Huh. It don't cool. cost that much, so... Great. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do some wood burning. Love wood it. burning! Love it. Yeah! Here I was just trying to think of the most ridiculous and destructive thing we could possibly do. No, I mean... <laughs> you're like, yes, that'll work. <laughs> God damn it. I gotta up my game. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, we, if, if we had space to do glass blowing, I think I would have already done it. Like I would love to do more woodworking on the channel, but we'll do that kind of stuff when we move out of New York City and have my little workshop in the backyard and, and can able, oh. yeah, and are able to do all that stuff. A, a well-ventilated space so you're not inhaling sawdust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to build furniture when I lived in, um, in, uh, in wood in Washington Heights. And we would like stain and and uh, spray paint things and oh it was the ventilation was terrible so I said these are our last like three projects doing it in my apartment and I said yeah. I'll wait I'll wait I'll wait to do some more of this stuff yeah cool uh, so um, yes dear listener dear if, listener if and when uh, I do make an appearance you better believe you're going to be hearing about that episode yeah. but until then where where can they find you social media social YouTube, media all that? is all Kim Wilpon craft so k-i-m-w-i-l p as in peter o-n as in nancy crafts spelled as usual c-r-a-f-t-s on the youtube and instagram and sometimes I occasionally do twitch I stream Stream crafting on Twitch. We talk about yarn and all things crafty and and yeah. Awesome. And sometimes we talk about theater too. Twitch is one that I know absolutely nothing about, really? except I'm pretty sure that's where people go to play video games yeah, and have I, other people watch. Yeah. Okay. That, cool. that happens a lot, but people also do music on there. There's a lot of artists who are on Twitch too, um, like like musicians, um, painters, uh, fine art people. I uh, I do knitting on there. Awesome. I'm still trying is, to figure out Twitter, so you're, you're I don't, like I don't, seven I don't, steps ahead I don't of me tweet. there. I don't tweet. I don't tweet. That's not something I do. I deleted my Twitter account because I said, I'd rather just show you what I do rather than just talk about it. I suppose it is hard to knit in 140 characters or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes a little bit. Or like anything else, right? Like paint. I do a lot of painting. Yeah. Which is hard to also in say that words. in 140 in characters. Well, a picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah, so, so Instagram Instagram works mighty fine for me. <laughs> Much better. Cool. Uh, thank you for stopping in. Oh my gosh, my um, pleasure. This, this, is, this is a literary, and I say that with quotey fingers, a literary podcast. Um, do you have a favorite author? Oh, oh mm, I think I have a favorite poet. Great. I love um, Shel Silverstein. Yes. Those, excellent choice yeah the poems are just so iconic so iconic yeah awesome yeah cool thanks for having me of course thank you for stopping by um rock and roll yeah awesome right. thanks for having me and uh i'll see you all on my channel boop, 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 boop. Uh, so thank you very much kim for stopping in and saying hi and being your lovely charming self and of course for hosting the the space this week um, I'm going to put all of her uh, links and contact info and whatnot in the the little um, what you call it the the blurb the, the doobly do the thing mm -hmm. the shooby doo yeah the show notes that's that's what it is not that we do particularly extensive show yeah, notes they, they here, knew they knew what we meant that thing they, they knew we'll wait for that train to go by <laughs> the dulcet tones of New York City it really can be a lovely place but man is it noisy loud 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 <laughs> Um, I actually pulled the air conditioning unit out of my window in hopes of blocking out some of the sound. You're welcome, listener. It kind of worked. It kind of worked. It's a little quieter. <laughs> Not wildly. Uh, so, um, as we brought up with Kim, this is an edutainment podcast, uh, which means we aim to educate and entertain rarely in that order. Um, <laughs> so, how about if we uh, get down to 
the meat of the matter. Yeah, let's do it. Great. So what we do here on Campfire Classics is uh, read stories sight unseen. They are cold reads, which means there will be language that we're not prepared for and oftentimes weird accents. Occasionally, someone from the American South makes their way into a story set in England. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm scared. Um, I have no idea what the accents in this week's story will be because I don't do very good research. But before we jump into the story, I'm going to give a few little fun facts about this week's author. Yeah, you don't do very good research. I don't do very good accents, so it's it's a good match. So it's, so it's a good matchup. Yeah, yeah. It's a good matchup. Bad research and bad accents. A for effort, That's though. how really... you get Monty Python. Correct. <laughs> We commit, though. We do commit. So, Edgar Allan Poe is best known for his gothic horror and mystery tales. Uh, Well, let's face it, today he's actually best known for having written the poem The Raven, which is that that poem that the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors episode is Mm -hmm. based on. Mm -hmm. But uh, he also wrote... I'm sure he'd be happy with that legacy. Oh, I'm sure he'd be delighted. (laughs) Anyone who makes it into the Simpsons has got to be happy with with how their life went. My life's work. Um, but also, obviously, a ton of other famous stories, The Telltale Heart, Follow the House of Usher. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, He's a good one. All of, all of those. Um, Ookie spooky. Yeah. Uh, so th- he seems especially appropriate to read now as we're getting closer into Halloween. Spooky season. In fact, last time Campfire Classics read a Poe story, it was released as a Halloween bonus episode last year between episodes 19 and 20. The story was called The Black Cat, and it was the first story we ever read that made me feel really upset and uncomfortable. Oh no, you love kitties. I love kitties, and it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was an upsetting story. Sure. I'm not getting a good um, vibe about the fate of the black cat. So, so uh, <laughs> go ahead and go check that episode out. Um, if you decide you want a few more fun facts about Poe, or if you just want to hear an upsetting story about a cat. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to do a few fun facts, do a brief recap on the death of Edgar Allan Poe. Ooh. On September 27th, 1849, Poe left Richmond, Virginia on his way to his home in New York City. No one seems to have heard from him, at least not with any reliable evidence, until a week later on October 3rd when he was found delirious wandering the streets of Baltimore. He was described as repulsive with unkempt hair, a haggard, unwashed face, and lusterless and vacant eyes. He was also wearing somebody else's clothes. Oh. They were worn out and shabby, which was weird because he usually kept himself very neat and presentable. They did not fit well, and strangely for the period, he didn't have a vest. No one knows how he got there, because aside from unreliable scattered reports, no one has admitted to seeing him during that missing week. So he leaves Richmond to go to New York and turns up in Baltimore, and no one knows what the fuck happened. <laughs> and someone took his clothes. And apparently he switched clothes with someone. <laughs> oh, God. What's more, we don't even know how or why he died four days later on October 7th, because his medical records and death certificate, if they ever existed, have vanished. No idea where they are. There is no record of what the coroner discovered. Ooh. Nothing. Um, no, popular theories range from hypoglycemia to murder. Yeah, I'm thinking it's that second one. And uh, <laughs> one man suggested that Poe, a well-known alcoholic, simply drank himself to death. But even that is tough to verify because people disagree over whether or not Poe was, in fact, an alcoholic. Because the reports of his alcoholism mostly come from his personal enemies and literary detractors. Mm. So, psychoanalysts today, with the benefit of hindsight, have examined his behavior over the weeks leading up to his death. And many think he may have been suffering from a severe depressive episode and either committed suicide or accidentally OD'd on medication. Mm. But once again, this is all conjecture since there's no record of what he died of. He never, during those last four days of his life, became lucid enough to explain what happened himself, or if he did, no one he spoke to was forthcoming. So, 
creepy and mysterious. It is said that he repeatedly called out the name Reynolds on the night before his death, though no one has ever been able to identify the person he might have referred to. Suggestions uh, have been made that he was calling out to the editor of a newspaper who was also an explorer, a guy named Reynolds, who is thought to have been the inspiration for one of Poe's novels, or possibly a Judge Reynolds, who was a a local Mm. judge in the area. This last has led people to believe that he might have been a victim of cooping during the, the recent local election. Cooping was an election fraud practice where people were kidnapped off the street, cooped up in a small space, force-fed copious amounts of alcohol, and beaten and threatened to coerce them into um, voting repeatedly, fraudulently, over and over again to help local uh, politicians get elected. Oh my basically God. stuffing the ballot box. Um, so... The whole thing is bonkers, and no one really knows what happens. Um, My theory is that he faked his own death and is still alive somewhere in Baltimore, Mm. but I don't have the support of any historians on that one. Sure, sure. But you know, it it does read like one of his stories. Right. So I feel like, you know, it could be a concoction of his. I'm I'm wondering, yeah, Yeah. I wonder if, if there was some intent going on, or if he just moved to Paris and had a body double die for him i mean if that idea makes you happy you just keep on believing it (laughs) it really does it really does make me happy anyway today you will be reading a short story by poe called the devil in the belfry Ooh, yay yeah let's start this fire Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was in there. We got your warm-up. That's my warm-up. Okay. The Devil in the Belfry by Edgar Allan Poe. What o'clock is it? Old saying. Ah, yes. That old chestnut. What o'clock is what it? What o'clock is it? Oh, my. Look at the o'clock. The o'clock. Everybody knows, in a general way, that the finest place in the world is, or alas, was, the Dutch borough of... Wonder what they meet this. Wonder what <laughs> It's Dutch? Is that what it said? Yeah. Wonder what they meet this. Wonder what time it is. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay, Edgar. You're a jerk. Wonder what time it is. The Dutch borough of Wonder what time it is. <laughs> silly. That's dumb. Silly. Silly. <laughs> Yet, as it lies some distance from any of the main roads, being in a somewhat out-of-the-way situation, there are perhaps very few of my readers who have ever paid it a visit. For this the is benef- true. I've never been to Wonder what time it is. Correct. Or Wonder where we are. Wonder where we are. <laughs> For the benefit of those who have not, therefore, it will be only proper that I should enter into some account of it. And this is indeed the more necessary, as with the hope of enlisting public sympathy on behalf of the inhabitants, I design here to give a history of the calamitous events which have so lately occurred within its limits. Some weird stuff has gone down. Some weird (laughs) stuff. (laughs) No one who knows me will doubt that the duty thus self-imposed will be executed... I knew you were going (laughs) to... I I can't let it slide. I didn't do the liquid you. Okay, the duty thus self-imposed... See, it's way less funny that way. (laughs) will be executed to the best of my ability, with all that rigid impartiality, all that cautious examination into facts, and diligent collation of authorities, which should ever distinguish him who aspires to the title of historian. Somehow I have a feeling he's going to be... I don't know. I don't know how good of a historian he's going to be. Well, history hasn't been terribly kind to Poe, so Mm. it would not surprise me to learn that Poe is also unkind to history. There you go. By the united aid of medals, manuscripts, and inscriptions, I am enabled to say positively that the borough of Vandervatimitis has existed from its origin in precisely the same condition which it at present preserves. 
Of the date of this origin, however, I grieve that I can only speak with that species of indefinite definiteness which mathematicians are, at times, forced to put up with in certain algebraic formulae. What? What? Wait, what? Okay, we're doing that again. Try that again? Yeah, yeah, we're doing that again. <laughs> of the date of this origin... Okay, so the origin so of the, the town? The town of Wunderwattheim it is has been exactly the same since it was founded. So, uh-huh. And he's saying when it was founded, however, on the date of the date of this origin, however, I grieve that I can only speak with that species of indefinite definiteness, which mathematicians are at times forced to put up with in certain algebraic formulae. Oh. So he's like not sure, but he's sure about when the town was founded. Indefinite definiteness? Uh, it sounds like it was a long time ago, and <laughs> I, that's about all he's got. Okay, great. Indefinite definiteness. <laughs> right, right, right. I think the town was founded in the year once upon a time. Got it, got it. And In ye old times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, to me, that's everything prior to, like, 1970. I'm just like, yeah, you know, back then. Yeah. In ye old times. <laughs> exactly. Everything prior to 1970, yeah. which was, mm-hmm. which encapsulates... Everything from the moon landing mm-hmm. to cavemen is Correct. basically the same year. 100%. To me, it is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the date, I may thus say, in regard to the remoteness of its antiquity, cannot be less than any assignable quantity whatsoever. Okay, Edgar. Okay. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Long time ago. This sounds like a guy who's studying for his SATs. It sounds like when you're trying to up the word count to meet the to meet the requirement for the essay. Oh, <laughs> is that what's going on? I'm like, did he get paid hey, by the word? Hey, Edgar, <laughs> are you getting paid by the word, buddy? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Are, are you? Are you? Are you getting paid by the word? Or the letter, which would explain why Vondervotaimetis is like <laughs> is so twenty letter long. is twenty letters long. Touching the derivation of the name Vondervotaimetis, I confess myself with sorrow equally at fault. Among a multitude of opinions upon this delicate point, some acute, some learned, some sufficiently the reverse, I am able to select nothing which ought to be considered satisfactory. Why is it a delicate point who came up with the name? It's so uh, delicate. Um, because it's important to give credit where credit is due. True, true, But true. even more important to place blame where mm-hmm. blame is due. Mm-hmm. And with a name like Van der time it is, I think right. it's a question of blame, not credit. Right. So... Goddamn Dutch. <laughs> Perhaps the idea of grogswig, nearly coincident with that of crota plenty, is to be cautiously preferred. It runs, Vonder vatimetis, Vonder, Igedonder, vatimetis, quasi und bleitzitz, bleitzitz obsol pro blitzen. What? <laughs> I swear to you, I swear to you, I read the words as they are on the page. I believe you. I, I swear, unless this capital I is an L. That Other than that, in one word, other than that, that's what it says. <laughs> okay, so Grogswick and Crutaplenty are people, I'm going to assume. I'm going to read the sentence again. So he's like, who came up with this name? Perhaps the idea of Grogswig, nearly coincident with that of Crutaplenty, is to be cautiously preferred. It runs... Colon, Vonder Vatimetis, Vonder Igedonder, Vatimetis, Quasi und Bleitsitz, Bleitsitz obsol pro Blitzen. Okay. Sure. Sure Uh, sure is. This derivative, to say the truth, is still countenanced by some traces of the electric fluid evident on the summit of the steeple of the house of the town council. I do not choose, however, to commit myself on a theme of such importance, and must refer the reader desirous of information to the Orechunculae de Rebus Praetor Veteris of Dunderguts. <laughs> See also Blunderbuzard de Derivationubus, page 27 to 5010, folio, <laughs> gothic edit, red and black character, catchword and no cipher, we're in consult also marginal notes in the autograph of Stufundpuff with the sub commentaries of Grutundgutzel. Stufundpuff? Now, Stufundpuff? Yeah. Is, is this a relative of H.R. Puff and Stuff? Stuff and Puff, yeah, yeah. Stufundpuff. <laughs> H.R. Puff and Stuff. So, okay. 
So he's I, making that's, he's making fun of something. He, I think he's making this is silly. I think he's making fun <laughs> of. Oh, Ken just had a revelation. I think he's making fun of. Um, <gasps> hang on, listeners. I'm going to be right back with you. His face just lit up. This is exciting. Things are happening here. Yes. I believe he's making fun, or at least um, satirizing slash quoting-ish, uh, Washington Irving, um, writer of Rip Van Winkle and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and Ooh. a guy who we have read on this podcast in, in the past. Um, but he uh, liked to, on occasion, write under the pseudonym Diedrich Knickerbocker, uh, who <laughs> was... Um, <laughs> a Dutch historian who wrote a satire history of New York and was forever giving um, quotations from non-existent books and referencing ridiculous non-existent source materials. It's gotta be this. It's gotta be this. And since this is a Dutch city and he's doing, so that's what's going on. Page 27 to 5,010 folio. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Gothic edit. Yeah, that's funny. All right. Okay. So, um, all right, touche, touche, Edgar. So, what do you think, listener? You listened to us read a Diedrich Knickerbocker story like six months ago. Oh, Does that yeah. sound like this? I don't know. I don't remember. Knickerbocker. Listen back. Let me know what you think. <laughs> okay, let's dive back in. Notwithstanding the obscurity which thus envelops the date of the foundation of Van der Vatimites and the duration and the derivation of its name. There can be no doubt, as I said before, that it has always existed as we find it at this epoch. The old epoch? Epoch, yes. Epoch. This epoch, this time, this period E-P-I-C of history. E-P-I-C is epoch. Yes. E-P-O-C-H is epoch. Epoch. Epoch, epoch or apoch. All right. Look, look at that. Hmm? Educational. Edutainment. I'm learning. The oldest man in the borough can remember not the slightest difference in the appearance of any portion of it. Indeed, the very suggestion of such a possibility is considered an insult. The site of the village is in a perfectly circular valley, about a quarter of a mile in circumference, and entirely surrounded by gentle hills over whose summit the people have never yet ventured to pass. For this, they assign the very good reason that they do not believe there is anything at all on the other side. (laughs) Okay. Well, these people sound dim and a little bit boring, but the location sounds beautiful. It sounds gorgeous. (laughs) Kind of like West Virginia. Oh, oh! take me back. Oh. <laughs> the people are dim and a little bit boring, but the place is beautiful. Oh, snap. Listeners, that was not me. That was Kenneth. I will not I will not take this West Virginia slander. I don't think anyone is going to mistake my voice for yours. All right. Well, you know, I just want to make sure I don't get canceled. I want you. You're the one who's going to get canceled. <laughs> Round the skirts of the valley, which is quite level and paved throughout with flat tiles, extends a continuous row of 60 little houses. These, having their backs on the hills, must look, of course, to the center of the plain, which is just 60 yards from the front door of each dwelling. Oh, that sounds nice. Every house has a small garden before it, with a circular path, a sundial, and 24 cabbages. <laughs> oh, God, I'm suddenly reminded of... Have you have you read Wrinkle in Time? No. Oh, there's, um... They end up... I think it's Wrinkle in Time. Listener, if I'm wrong, um, don't correct me. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but I believe it's Wrinkle in Time. Near the end, they they wander into this little town, and um, it looks super idyllic. And they're like, oh, it's so cute. It's lovely. It's blah, blah, blah. All the houses are identical. It's so quaint. It's all white picket fancy. And then, like, all of the kids walk out into the front of the, the houses in unison and start mm-hmm. bouncing their balls, all of the kids, at yeah, the same yeah. time. And that, like, it's... It's um, sounding Stepford-y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like... 24 cabbages 24 each. cabbages yep. each. The Well, it goes on to affirm that. The buildings themselves are so precisely alike that one can in no manner be distinguished from the other. Owing to the vast antiquity, the style of architecture is somewhat odd, but it is not for that reason the less strikingly picturesque. They are fashioned of hard-burned little bricks, red with black ends, so that the walls look like a chessboard upon a great scale. It's called the Flemish Bond. The Flemish bond, the 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 black ends oh, that stick oh, out oh. of the otherwise red oh, wall. It's gotcha. called the Flemish bond. Okay, how do you know that? 
I'm a dork is the short answer. Um, the it. longer answer is I learned it working in historic Philadelphia because a lot of the buildings in Philadelphia have that architecture style. And um, I was curious, so I looked it up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, let's see. They are fashioned of hard-burned little bricks, red with black ends, so that the walls look like a chessboard upon a great scale. The gables are turned to the front, and there are cornices... Cornices, I guess. That is the word. <laughs> well, here, it let's is... get some context. And there are cornices as big as all the rest of the house over the eaves and over the main doors. So probably like a... Cornice. Yeah. An ornamental molding around the wall of a room just below the ceiling, an overhanging mass of hardened snow. Well, probably not that. There we go. On a mountain. So it's the, it's the, the, the decorative crap at the top of the walls. The overhang, yeah. So there are those, as big as all the rest of the house, over the eaves and over the main doors. The windows are narrow and deep, with very tiny panes and a great deal of sash. On the roof, <laughs> a great deal of sash. Sashy. Sashy. <laughs> On the roof is a vast quantity of tiles with long, curly ears. Okay. <laughs> ears? They got ears. All right. The tiles have ears. The woodwork. the hills have eyes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> The woodwork throughout is of a dark hue, and there is much carving about it, with but a trifling variety of pattern. For time out of mind, the carvers of Van der have never been able to carve more than two objects, a timepiece and a cabbage. <laughs> this is so stupid. Oh this perfectly uniform town, and everyone's obsessed with watches and cabbage. Cabbages. Right. But but these they do exceedingly well and intersperse them with singular ingenuity wherever they find room for the chisel. <laughs> so it's just cabbages everywhere. <laughs> just carve cabbages into oh everything. <laughs> the dwellings are as much alike inside as out, and the furniture is all upon one plan. The floors are of square tiles, the chairs and tables of black looking wood with thin crooked legs and puppy feet. <laughs> Ooh, that's cute. <laughs> puppy feet. <laughs> Imagine just a chair or a table that has puppy paws on the bottom. <laughs> can it can it run? Oh. Is it a chair that like you can the, like like the sit, armoire in Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Like it's just sentient. That it's it's sentient on puppy feet so that it just carries you around the house. Oh, that would be cute. It needs to have like a, a tail of some sort to wag for it to really be cute. Like there's gotta be like a tassel on the chair that flicks back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I need a tail wag. That's fair. I'm trying this. to think of where mm -hmm. where that tassel would hang from mm -hmm. the chair. It'd be a, <laughs> like the placement would be a little weird. True. The mantelpieces are wide and high and have not only timepieces and cabbages sculptured over the front, but a real timepiece which makes a prodigious ticking on the top in the middle with a flower pot containing a cabbage standing on each <laughs> extremity by way of outrider. <laughs> I want to know what he is satirizing. What is this? <laughs> oh, wait, it gets better. It gets better. I want a potted cabbage. <laughs> As a pet. I want a pet cabbage. I want a potted cabbage. <laughs> uh, between each cabbage and the timepiece, again, is a little China man having a large stomach with a great round hole in it through which is seen the dial plate of a watch. Okay. This is a little little statue made out of like little Buddha Chinese. Well, like well, China, no, no. like porcelain. Okay. Oh, oh, got it, got it. Okay. The large stomach threw me off. The fireplaces are large and deep, with fierce, crooked-looking fire dogs. Fire dogs. <laughs> okay. Do they have little? I'm gonna demon say protectors. I'm gonna say that fire dog means uh, a poker, like a fire poker. Let's see if I'm right. And iron. Yep. Yes. God, I'm so smart. Oh, wait. Most important typically in a pair. Uh, used for that holds. Oh, no, not the poker. The um, the little like metal grate that sits in the bottom that keeps it. Fine. Fine. <laughs> you're, in, you're in the right. You're in the right world. You're in the right universe. You're right. I was close. Thank and you. Don't be bitter at me just because <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> I can't work like this. 
Okay, back to the fire dogs. There is constantly a rousing fire and a huge pot over it full of sauerkraut and pork to which the good woman of the house is always busy in attending. She is a little fat old lady <laughs> with blue eyes and a red face and wears a huge cap like a sugar loaf ornamented with purple and yellow ribbons. Her dress is of orange-colored linsey woolsey <laughs> made very full behind and very short in the waist. Oh, she got a fat ass. That's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, yep. She got that shelf in the back. She got a fat ass. <laughs> Her dress... <laughs> I want to say Lindsay Woolsey again. Her dress is of orange-colored Lindsay Woolsey, made very full behind and very short in the waist, and indeed very short in other respects, not reaching below the middle of her leg. Oh, she got a oh. short skirt. So, uh, okay. This so is, shelf in the back and showing off some, yes, some ankle. Yes, this is somewhat thick, and so are her ankles, but she has a fine pair of green stockings to cover them. Hey, thick thighs save right. lives. Yes, they do. Her shoes of pink leather are fastened each with a bunch of yellow ribbons puckered up in the shape of a cabbage. <laughs> in her left, cabbage palooza. In her left hand, she has a little heavy Dutch watch. In her right, she wields a ladle for the sauerkraut and pork. By her side, there stands a fat tabby cat with a gilt toy repeater tied to its tail, which quote-unquote, the boys, have there fastened by way of a quiz. The boys themselves are, all three of them, in the garden tending the pig. They are each two feet in height. They have three-cornered cocked hats, purple waistcoats reaching down to their thighs, buckskin knee breeches, red stockings, heavy shoes with big silver buckles, long surtout coats with large buttons of mother-of-pearl. Each two has a pipe in his mouth and a little dumpy watch in his right hand. Okay, more watches. Why are all these kids smoking the, pipes at two feet tall? Two feet tall. <laughs> oh, no. Also, if they're all the same height, that means they're triplets. Yep. Which means each of the 60 houses <laughs> in has, this town uh-huh. has triplet two foot tall boys. Smoking a pipe. Smoking pipes, which means... The population is not about to increase anytime soon. Wow, yeah, you're right. It's got heavy implications. <laughs> oh, here we go. Each two has a pipe in his mouth and a little dumpy watch in his right hand. He takes a puff and a look and then a look and a puff. <laughs> the pig, which is corpulent and lazy, is occupied now in picking up the stray leaves that fall from the cabbages and now in giving a kick behind at the guilt repeater which the urchins have also tied to his tail in order to make him look <laughs> as handsome as the cat. <laughs> this boy, okay, I call animal abuse in this weird town. <laughs> right at the front door is a high-backed, leather-bottomed armchair with crooked legs and puppy feet like the tables. Puppy feet. Is seated the old man of the house himself. He is an exceedingly puffy little old gentleman. <laughs> If anyone, so help me, if anyone ever calls me exceedingly puffy, that will be the last day of their life. (laughs) With big circular eyes and a huge double chin, his dress resembles that of the boys. And I need, oh my God. His dress resembles that of the boys and I need say nothing farther about it. But somehow I think you will. (laughs) All the difference is that his pipe is somewhat bigger than theirs and he can make a greater smoke. Like them, he has a watch, but he carries his watch in his pocket. To say the truth, he has something of more importance than a watch to attend to. And what that is, I shall presently explain. He sits with his right leg upon... Yeah, dude, you're definitely getting paid by the word. Yep. (laughs) It's giving me a Purd Happily vibes. Like, the story I'm about to tell you is now the story that will begin in one moment. (laughs) He sits with his right leg upon his left knee, wears a grave countenance, and always keeps one of his eyes, at least, resolutely bent upon a certain remarkable object in the center of the plain. This object is situated in the steeple of the house of the town council. The town council are all all very little, round, oily, intelligent men with big saucer eyes and fat double chins. Everyone in this town is fat. Everything and everyone in this town is fat. Well, that means that it is a prosperous town. Right, right. it's true. They're well-fed. Well, they all have cabbage and pigs. Right. Sauerkraut. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty hearty. 
with big saucer eyes and fat double chins and have their coats much longer and their shoe buckles much bigger than the ordinary inhabitants of Van der Vatimites. Since my sojourn in the borough, they have had several special meetings and have adopted these three important resolutions. That it is wrong to alter the good old course of things, that there is nothing tolerable out of Van der Vatimites, and that we will stick by our clocks and our cabbages. All right. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> Conservative xenophobia at its best. Seriously. <laughs> Above the session room of the council is the steeple, and in the steeple is the belfry, where exists and has existed time out of mind, the pride and wonder of the village, the great clock of the borough of Van der Vatimites. And this is the object to which the eyes of the old gentlemen are turned who sit in the leather-bottomed armchairs. The great clock has seven faces, one in each of the seven sides of the steeple, so that it can be readily seen from all quarters. Okay. Septagon. Okay, right. yeah. Its faces are large and white and its hands heavy and black. There is a belfry man whose sole duty is to attend to it, but this duty is the most perfect of sinecures, for the clock of van der Vatimites was never yet known to have anything the matter with it. Until lately, the bare supposition of such a thing was considered heretical. <laughs> Don't even suggest. <laughs> Don't question the clock. Don't question the clock. He'll come for you. From the remotest period of antiquity to which the archives have reference, the hours have been regularly struck by the big bell. And indeed, the case was just the same with all the other clocks and watches in the borough. Never was such a place for keeping the true time. When the large clapper thought proper to say, Twelve o'clock! All its obedient followers opened their throats simultaneously and responded like a very echo. This town creeps me yeah. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I not loving like, the vibe. I feel like all you he, like you walk down the street and all you hear is Yeah. Yep. And then at noon everyone's like, Twelve o'clock! <laughs> I mean I got nothing else to do except like fuck with their animals <laughs> and eat sauerkraut. And eat sauerkraut. Yeah. In short, the good burgers, burgers with an H. Yes, burgers. Um, uh, it's um, burgers. Uh, I'm gonna look it up, but it's uh, basically the um, the town council, the city oh, council. Got it. Uh, okay, got it. Burger. <laughs> a citizen of a town or city, typically a member of the wealthy bourgeoisie. There you go. Okay. In short, the good burgers were fond of their sauerkraut, but then they were proud of their clocks. <laughs> the two main values of this town. All you know, <laughs> uh, in the grand scheme of things, if you're going to be an isolationist, conservative little town, at least the things you're taking pride in are clocks and cabbage. Like, it could be worse. Yeah, that's true. You'll be a laughing stock, but at least you're not no, they don't care. murdering people. <laughs> Well, let's see where this goes. We'll see. It is Poe, after all. <laughs> it is Poe. And no one better question the clock. <laughs> True. All people who hold sinecure offices are held in more or less respect. And as the belfry man of van der Vatimites has the most perfect of sinecures, he is the most perfectly respected of any man in the world. Oh, whole world. Wow. I know. Well, I mean, there is nothing worth seeing in the entire world That's outside true. of That's true. Van der Vatime it is. So. That's true. Um, what's that word you keep saying? Sinecure? Yeah. How do you spell it? S-I-N-E-C-U-R-E. If, if, right? if you... Uh, sinecure, yep. Yeah. You've been saying it, right? Um, a position requiring little or no work, but giving <laughs> the holder status or financial benefit. <laughs> this cartoon is of a guy in a tie with his feet up on the desk. <laughs> just like chilling. All right. Sinecure. Cool. You just, you, like, I was willing to let it slide the one time without yeah, yeah. understanding what it meant because context oh, sure, clues. Sure. But because you'd now, like, yeah. I think you said it three, three times. Three times, like, yeah. Okay, we need a definition. Okay, I'll, so, say, that, I'll say that one again now so that it's, we know what it it's is. The, it's the princess track of jobs. Yes, yes. That's true. Low effort, high reward. Mm-hmm. All people who hold sinecure offices are held in more or less respect. And as the belfry man of van der Vatimites has the most perfect of sinecures, he is the most perfectly respected of any man in the world. <laughs> he is the chief dignitary of the borough, and the very pigs look up to him with a sentiment of reverence. <laughs> 
His coattail is very far longer, his pipe, his shoe buckles, his eyes, and his stomach very far bigger than those of any other gentleman in the village. And as to his chin, it is not only double, but triple. <laughs> Weird flex, bro. Yep, a real flex, yep. Weird flex. <laughs> <sighs> I have thus painted the happy estate of Vandervatan it is. Alas, that so fair a picture should it ever experience a reverse. <gasps> <laughs> There has been long a saying among the wisest inhabitants that no good can come from over the hills. And it really seemed that the words had in them something of the spirit of prophecy. It wanted five minutes of noon on the day before yesterday when there appeared a very odd-looking object on the summit of the ridge of the eastward. Such an occurrence, of course, attracted universal attention, and every little old gentleman who sat in a leather-bottomed armchair turned one of his eyes with a stare of dismay upon the phenomenon, still keeping the other upon the clock in the steeple. Always got to be watching that clock. Wow. That, I can't look at two different things at once. I can't either. I'm like, are these guys chameleons? How are they? Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lizard thing, right? That's yeah. a reptile thing yeah, yeah. where your eyes can move independently. Independent, yeah. Well, that's... So add it to the list of interesting attributes. These people of these, are freaky. These triple chinned. <laughs> triple people. chinned reptilian space aliens <laughs> with clocks in their stomach yep. and cabbages for hands. Yep. By the time that it wanted only three minutes to noon, the droll object in question was perceived to be a very diminutive, foreign-looking young man. Uh-oh. Foreigner. Foreigners. A foreigner. Here we go. They don't like it. He descended the hills at a great rate so that everybody had soon a good look at him. He was really the most finicky little personage that had ever been seen in Van der Vatimetis. His countenance was of a dark snuff color. Okay, okay, racism. Yep. And he had a long hooked nose. Come on now. Pea eyes, a wide mouth, and an excellent set of teeth, which latter he seemed anxious of displaying as he was grinning from ear to ear. What with mustachios and whiskers. <laughs> mustachios. We, we have, all right, so we have now described snidely whiplash. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ken, have you ever had a mustachio? Not a mustache, a mustachio. Which, in my mind, means that it's got to, like, do a it's, twisty It's got the, the end, curly right? cue at yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever rocked that look? I have not, no. Uh, the closest... Like, I have twice in my life had just a mustache. Uh, a third time might be coming up because it's almost November and oh, yep. Movember is... Gotta do Movember. You know, cancer research. It's for a good cause. I'm having um, trouble picturing it, but... Um, it could there, be a look. There are, there, are, there are pictures online. They're available. <laughs> They're out there. Uh, and then Listeners, go find them. And then find the pictures. the other time was for... Uh, oh, no, there was a third time. For this podcast, because early on I mispronounced uh, the name of actor David Suchet, who um, has famously played Poirot for the uh, BBC for many years. And mm-hmm. I, I pronounced his name David Suchet. And in um, uh, in contrition, I uh, mm. I shaved a mustache in. <laughs> um, Whose idea was that? Mine. Did you, did you just want to have a mustache? <laughs> no, it lasted just long enough to record the next episode. I didn't uh. I didn't. I didn't carry my shame for long. Sure, sure, sure. Um, that seems appropriate. But there is, uh, there is a actually, there's a picture floating around of me at the microphone with, with a sizable mustache Beautiful. as as part of that, um, <laughs> paying of my debts. Uh, but no, it's never been long enough for me to for me to um, curly cue the ends. Twist it, yeah. yeah. Maybe someday. Yeah. Someday I'll be cool. All right. Yeah, one day you will be. Not that yet, but one day. <laughs> Dear listener, don't hold your breath. It's too fun to roast him. <laughs> okay, anyway, this little devil. What with mustachios and whiskers, there was none of the rest of his face to be seen. His head was uncovered and his hair neatly done up in papillotes, papillotes, P-A-P. Papillotes. Oh, yeah, papillotes. A small piece of paper on which women rolled up their hair to make it curl. Oh, curlers. Oh. He's got curlers. Okay. He got his hair up in curlers. All right. Come on, fashion. You little French dandy. <laughs> his head was uncovered and his hair neatly done up in papillotes. His dress was a tight-fitting, swallow-tailed black coat, from one of whose pockets dangled a vast length of white handkerchief. 
black kersimir knee breeches, black stockings, and stumpy-looking pumps with huge bunches of black satin ribbon for bows. Come on, yeah. Oh, this guy is rocking a whole lot. I love him. Under one arm, he carried a huge chapeau de bras. I don't know what that is. Um, I mean, you said chapeau, so I assume some sort of hat. Oh, does that mean hat? I don't speak French. Spell it. Chapeau. C-H-A-P-E-A-U. D-E-B-R-A-S. Bras. Hat of bras. Hat of bras. Ah, chapeau de bras. It's the Napoleon hat. Oh, that one. Okay, okay, got it. Got it. With, uh, under one arm, he carried a huge chapeau de bras, and under the other, a fiddle nearly five times as big as himself. <laughs> so, like, an upright bass. An upright bass. Yeah. In his left hand was a gold snuff box, from which, as he capered down the hill, cutting all manner of fantastic steps, he took snuff incessantly with an air of the greatest possible self-satisfaction. Oh, my God, I want to be I this guy for him. Halloween. I love him. God bless me. Here was a sight for the honest burgers of Von der Vatimity. This dude, okay, this dude is living. The rest of the people in Von der Vatimity are merely existing. This man is living. Yeah, well, it's because he's not he's from Von der Vatimity. And I think he's the devil. Yeah, well. Okay, let's see. I, I think the people of Von der Vatimity are about to think he's the devil anyway. Sure. To speak Foreigner. plainly. Oh. <laughs> To speak plainly, the fellow had, in spite of his grinning, an audacious and sinister kind of face. And as he curvetted right into the village, the old stumpy appearance of his pumps excited no little suspicion. And many a burger who beheld him that day would have given a trifle for a peep beneath the white cambric handkerchief which hung so obtrusively from the pocket of his swallow-tailed coat. Oh, they're trying to look under his handkerchief. But what mainly occasioned a righteous indignation was that the scoundrelly Popinjay, while he cut a fandango here and a whirligig there, did not seem to have the remotest idea in the world of such a thing as keeping time in his steps. <laughs> the good people of the borough had scarcely a chance, however, to get their eyes thoroughly open when, just as it wanted half a minute of noon, the rascal bounced, as I say, right into the midst of them, gave a chasse here and a balancé there. <laughs> and then, after a pirouette and a pas de zephyr, pigeon-winged himself right up into the belfry of the House of the Town Council, where the wonder-stricken belfry man sat smoking in a state of dignity and dismay. But the little chap seized... What? 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 <laughs> but the little chap seized him at once by the nose, gave it a swing and a pull, clapped the big chat de bras upon his head, knocked it down over his eyes and mouth, and then lifting up the big fiddle, beat him with it so long and so soundly that what the belfry man being so fat and the fiddle being so hollow, you would have sworn that there was a regiment of double bass drummers all beating the devil's tattoo up in the belfry of the steeple of Vonder <laughs> This took such a turn. <laughs> this took such a turn, okay? Grab the nose, plop the hat Listen, down on his head, and just whack the crap out of, him with your, out of him with your violin. Oh, my God. But not before doing a chasse and a balancé and a pirouette. I mean, this guy is a violent ballerina. Oh, my God. It's amazing. There is no knowing to what desperate act of vengeance this unprincipled attack might have aroused the inhabitants, but for the important fact that it now wanted only half a second of noon, the bell was about to strike, and it was a matter of absolute and preeminent necessity that everybody should look well at his watch. It was evident, however, that just at this moment, the fellow in the steeple was doing something that he had no business to do with the clock. But as it now began to strike, nobody had any time to attend to his maneuvers, for they had all to count the strokes of the bell as it sounded. One, said the clock. Von, echoed every little old gentleman in every <laughs> leather-bottomed armchair in Von der Vatimitis. Von, said his watch also. Von, said the watch of his vrouw. Vrouw? Frau, his wife, his oh. lady. Interesting. Yeah, you're right. And Von, said the watches of the boys and the little gilt repeaters on the tails of the cat and the pig. <laughs> Two, continued the big bell, and do, repeated all the repeaters. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, said the bell. 
Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, answered the others. Eleven, said the big one. Eleven, assented the little ones. Twelve, said the bell. Dwelf, they replied, perfectly satisfied and dropping their voices. Und dwelf it is, said all the little old gentlemen, putting up their watches. But the big bell had not done with them yet. Thirteen, said he. <gasps> They're too full gasped the little old gentleman, <laughs> turning pale, dropping their pipes, and putting down all their right legs from over their left knees. Der Tufel, groaned they. Dirteen, dirteen, mein Gott, it is dirteen o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Why attempt to describe the terrible scene which ensued? All Wandervatimites flew at once into a lamentable state of uproar. What is cumed to mine pelly? roared all the boys. I've been hungry for this hour. What is cumed to mine kraut? screamed all the fraus. It has been done to rags for this hour. What is cumed to mine pipe? swore all the little old gentlemen. Donder and blitzen, it has been smoked out for this hour. And they filled them up again in a great rage, and sinking back into their armchairs, puffed away so fast and so fiercely that the whole valley was immediately filled with impenetrable smoke. <laughs> what? <laughs> They're like, all right, something has gone amiss in life. I'm just going to smoke the house down. All right. Either that or we're just trying to swallow this town in pipe smoke yeah, yep. so that it becomes Brigadoon. Yep, yep, yep. Meanwhile, the cabbages all turned very red in the face, and it seemed as if old Nick himself had taken possession of everything in the shape of a timepiece. No. <laughs> the clocks yeah. carved upon the furniture took to dancing as if bewitched, while those upon the mantelpieces could scarcely contain themselves for fury <laughs> and kept such a continual striking of 13 and such a frisking and wriggling of their pendulums as was really horrible to see. Ooh. Okay, this is getting erotic. All right, wriggling yeah, pendulums. They're wriggling. They are wriggling and frisking. But worse I've than all. I've never found a clock to be frisky before, but. But you don't know when, when they get to 13. Ooh, all bets are off. Ooh. This is Mine literally, literally <laughs> clocks after hours. Correct. Because we've moved past the hours that they have in 13 and so it's after it's it's, it's a good joke it's a good joke hours dear listener did you enjoy that clock more or that <laughs> clock did you enjoy that joke more or less after i explained it yeah, um, yeah. inquiring minds want to know yeah yeah mine got it is 13 o'clock but worse than all, neither the cats nor the pigs could put up any longer with the behavior of the little repeaters tied to their tails. Okay, good. I was waiting for these animals to get vengeance. And resented it by scampering all over the place, scratching and poking and squeaking and screeching and caterwauling and squalling and flying into the faces and running under the petticoats of the people and creating altogether the most abominable din and confusion which it is possible for a reasonable person to conceive. It's the animal farm revolution wow, happening yeah. right now because of the clocks. Yep. And to make matters still more distressing, the rascally little scapegrace in the steeple was evidently exerting himself to the utmost. Every now and then, one might catch a glimpse of the scoundrel through the smoke. There he sat in the belfry upon the belfry man, who was lying flat upon his back. Oh, oh, okay, scandalous. In his teeth, the villain held the bell rope, which he kept jerking about with his head. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> mm, jerking the bell, huh? Uh, he's jerking, he's lying on top of him and jerking that bell. Jerking the bell while the pendulum quivers Woo! or whatever it's doing. Seriously. All right, this is wild. Huh. Raising such a clatter that my ears ring again, even to think of it. On his lap lay the big fiddle at which he was scraping out of all time and tune, with both hands making a great show, the nincompoop of playing Judy O'Flanagan and Paddy O'Rafferty. <laughs> I guess that's a fiddle song. <laughs> I, yeah, presumably. Of course. Affairs being thus miserably situated, I left the place in disgust and now appeal for aid to all lovers of correct time and fine kraut. 
Let us proceed in a body to the borough and restore the ancient order of things in Vandervatimetis by ejecting that little fellow from the steeple. <laughs> the end. <laughs> what? What? Oh, Lord. Okay, so here's what I think. All right, what here's do you think? Here's what I think. In summary. I think Edgar had just learned a lot of new fun words and he wanted to and he wanted to use them all in the most ridiculous fashion that he could think of. And uh and thus was born this story. I mean, we got we got scratching and poking and squalling and nincompoops and and just all manner of ridiculous pas de doos and pas de zephyrs and just craziness. I love it. It's a very fun one to that was, read. That was great. Thank you for that. That was great. Hey, Edgar, <laughs> thank you for not writing a depressing one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's this one's a fun little one. That was actually funny. Yeah, it that was really great. Was. <laughs> little fat sauerkraut eating, just <laughs> very precise, fastidious, fussy little guys. And then the sort of effeminate devil who comes in like, oh, I'm here. You know what? I really first thought of the berries and cream Skittles guy. I thought of him. Berries and cream. Yeah, the berries lad. and yep. cream. I'm a little lad who loves berries you know, and cream. You know the, the little lad is having a resurgence right now on TikTok? Yes. Berries and know, cream TikTok is out of control, and I freaking love it. Do you know why? So much. I don't know why. One day it just started showing up on my yes, feed. Please tell me. It's because uh, <laughs> Justin McElroy, the eldest of the McElroy brothers who run the podcast, My Brother, My Brother and Me, right. and The Adventure Zone. and Yes, you love them. Sawbones and... Um, Schmanners and a, a whole slew of others. They are they are their own little podcasting empire. Um, he uh, a while back th- th- he actually talked about this on an episode of My Brother, My Brother and Me. Um, a while back he uploaded that little sound clip yeah. to TikTok, yeah. and it did nothing. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. And then like a month later, all of a sudden he was like. This has been used 130,000 times. Yeah, no, you, that, that is the beautiful thing that I love about TikTok. Everyone's sense of humor is so, like, unique, but at the same time, we all sort of find the same specific things funny. Like, yeah, I mean, we would talk about this in theater school, actually, like, universality through specificity. Like, the more specific you are, like, oh, I love the feeling of, like, you know, rubbing my toes together as I fall asleep at night. And you'll have like a hundred people who are like, me too, when you thought you were the only one who did that. Mm-hmm. It's like we all for some reason find that commercial so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone just went wild with it. I love it. Apparently I that it. that guy is like a, the berries and cream lad, yeah. is a, a like dancer, performer, yeah. and choreographer. Oh my. I believe living in New York. Yeah, one of my best friends is a dancer and he's friends with him. Who hates it every time anyone brings that up <laughs> well that's his fault for being so funny you know yeah. the, the best part of the whole thing actually is not even the dance is very funny and the song is very funny but it's the noise it's the noise when he shudders between berries berries and what else cream and then he goes oh <laughs> berries and cream like it's the shudder that is so funny <laughs> Uh, anyway he's who i thought of when we got the description even though it's a very specific description of this little devil i was like he's giving me little lad vibes so i'm curious oh my god that's uh, ridiculous dear listener i'm curious how many of you are of an age to remember when the berries and cream commercial was on television oh god don't date us we're so um, old because <laughs> i'm like i'm just i'm just curious because i remember it I remember it fondly. Oh, me too. Because I thought it was hysterical. It's so funny. Um, but Skittles had a bunch of weird commercials. It, it ran for, it ran for a, 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 I mean, a decent chunk of time for a commercial, but a relatively short amount of time in the grand scheme of sure. pop culture. So I'm curious how many, how yeah. many of our listeners are of an age to have <laughs> uh, seen and enjoyed that commercial? Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you send us an email this week, let us know. Do you, do you remember berries and cream? Mm, yeah. Do you remember the little lad? Yeah. And, and if you're feeling really into it, 
record a video of doing the very you doing the berries and cream. I was just gonna say, I think I think we should solicit some reenactments because every kid who watched that in the you know early two what early two thousands I guess late nineties late nineties yeah. early two thousands yeah every kid would then go to their mom and be like berries and cream berries and cream and mom was like yes yes I get it it was on TV yeah. <laughs> depending on her level of patience. <laughs> Great. So send us a video of you doing the berries and cream dance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I hope we get some. Berries. Berries and what else? Cream. Oh! Oh! Oh, Lord! I could do it all day. It's so fun. (laughs) It's so dumb. (sighs) Well, you know, I never thought Edgar Allan Poe would give me this much uh, laughter. Right? I'm very happy. (laughs) I feel practically, practically giddy. Do you want to do a pas de deux? Or a pas de zephyr? What is a pas de zephyr? I have no idea. That's, that's gonna, How's it that's spelled? Like pas de deux, so I think P-A-S-D-E, and then zephyr, Z-E-P-H-Y-R. Let's, there we go. Let's watch someone do it. This is a video of someone doing the pas de zephyr. I'll describe what's happening as this is an audio medium. Oh. It's like a, a kick out to the side with the leg like just hovering there. This beautiful ballerina. Oh, that's what he was doing? It's very graceful. Wow. Okay, he was he's a very skilled uh, athlete because <laughs> that's hard. Um, I will add a link to that little video also in the um yeah. the show note doobly-doo. You, so you can see what a pod de zephyr looks like. You go, little devil. Yeah, he's got he's got skill and a mischievous spirit. I Man, fuck I fuck with him. I, I think we'd be friends. I like that guy. I'm yeah. on his side. Yeah. I really do want to dress up as him for Halloween. Comb through that description really specifically. Yeah. Get all the pieces. Get the Napoleon hat. I think the little can. the little black pumps. Yeah, I think you could do it. <laughs> hmm. Uh. All right. I think that's <laughs> everything I have to say. Me too. What, what got, more is there to anything? say? He's the little dude. May he live on in our hearts. Yeah. I'll be thinking of him all day. I'll have a spring in my step uh so thank you for listening um oh uh i need a passcode so in addition to letting us know whether or not you remember berries and cream boy Mm. and lad uh, berries and cream the little lad lad. who loves berries and cream Mm -hmm. uh and hopefully sending us a reenactment of that dance uh nincompoop nincompoop i like it that's a good password i like it (laughs) just send us the word Nincompoop. Mm-hmm. Great. That will be your secret passcode this week, and it will win you the prize of my personal love and admiration. You're welcome. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> uh, so send us that, and I guess until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. 